good morning. That's all right. I, we just I, we just kind of co collaborate or coagulate or something when we get together. Uh, good morning. Uh, this is the fourth of our um, NBC Family Chapels, and it is Advent season, and we'll unpack that as we go. Uh, but um, before we begin our worship, or as really as a part of our worship, I asked Dr. Stelting to uh, give us an update on uh, Janine and Mike. Scott is here, and he could probably give us a better update on uh, on Janine. But I'll, I'll say what I can. If if I'm accurate, then you can just nod, okay? Janine is home. Uh, she is uh, she is not needing to take pain, pain medication. Basically, that's not right. She is taking some pain medication, but not heavy doses of it. Not. <laughs> she would be in a lot of pain if she weren't for the medication. <laughs> and. Uh, and she's, uh, she's on other medications as well, but th at this point the prognosis is good. There we go, thank you. And we're, we're pleased about that, and would you please take back to her our, our good wishes and uh, reaffirm uh, the fact we pray for her. Uh, for Dr. Mike Worrell, I met this morning with his sons. Uh, they have volunteered to, to send me an email, which I can then send on to you and everyone else uh, around here. That should be coming in this afternoon. Uh, I am uh, I am very pleased with their report because uh, it is a good report. Uh, the uh, uh, the healing will take time, but there will be healing, and that is the good that is the good news. The one the thing I think all of us wish to hear for. So uh, you will be getting more information, but uh, I assure you, I felt so good uh, hearing what they had to say because. Uh, range of things that we've been hearing and speculating about and fearing I think but uh, this is about as good as it can get so that is that is good news for us and I wanted, I wanted you to hear that as well uh, more detailed information will be coming from them um, no visitors yet unless uh, at least for, for a while and if there's something that you really need to visit with him about if you would call his wife and, uh, and try to get a, a head start on that whole process because he's still sleeping an awful lot. Okay? Okay. Good. Thank you. We are in the middle or just the starting weeks of the Advent season. And last Sunday you celebrated, I hope, uh, the first Sunday of Advent. We, we're actually a, win oh, we're a few days ahead, so we're going to talk about the second uh, Advent uh, service today. And again, I want to remind us um, what's behind all of the colors. Uh, the royal blue that's on the table is representative of the king. I mean, when the king comes, he dresses in royal colors. Sometimes it can be a royal purple, but it can also be a royal blue. The three purple color or candles are also indic indicative of his kingship, his kingliness. Um, and like I usually say, the pink candle isn't because we ran out of purple. It's for joy. And uh, next week, Wednesday night, uh, Dr. Jim Russell will help us celebrate uh, the joy that we have in the Lord. We light these candles to help remind us that Advent is a time of both commemoration and anticipation. Contemplation and looking ahead. 
they help us remember that Jesus came once. He did come once. Amen? All in favor say aye. Okay, I just want to make sure. Uh, okay, just make sure we're on the same path. But we also, and we also know that he's coming again, yes? Okay, so in the light of his coming and in his coming again, last week we said that that's reason enough for us to live for him. That's last week's celebration. And then this week our focus is on hope. And be, so because he came once and because he's coming again, um, we can hope in the Lord. The candle reminds us to do just that. We are going to walk through uh, more verses of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel than you knew existed today. We are going to take some time to take a look at all four of the scripture lessons for the second Advent service. And then we're going to just talk a little bit in between. So take the Bibles that are near you and turn to Matthew chapter 3. Marlene. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John himself was clothed in camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem, all Judea, and all the region around the Jordan went out to him and were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, Brood of vipers, who warns you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance, and do not think to say to yourself, we have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. And even now, the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Well, tidings of comfort and joy, huh? When I was working through the, the scriptures for this service, I, I looked twice. Uh, I, the, the kinds of things that Marlene just shared from the passage are not quite Christmas trees and candlelight, are they? Uh, um, so think about it. If, if this is the basis for our Christmas celebration, we'll see uh, Christmas cards with an axe on the front, or maybe a little sickle and, and, and wheat, um, or maybe... Uh, 
maybe we'd see uh, inflatable long decorations that look like John the Baptist. Or, and the locust and wild honey, those are on the top of the gifts list, if this is what our Christmas celebration is about. But I checked, and this is the gospel lesson for the second Advent service. The theme, like I said already, is hope in the Lord. So I want us to listen just a little more closely to the text so that we can hear the hearts of the people who heard John's proclamation the first time. Think about their situation. They are living under the iron rule of the Roman Empire. Their religious leaders are vipers, not dodge vipers, snake vipers. They're vipers. Their spiritual advisors are known more for their bad fruit than their good fruit. Their society and their culture is then so clogged with refuse, with chaff, with leftovers, it just needs a good sweep. The people are, and the place are just a mess, and they have to be wandering in the middle of all of that. Will our situation ever change? What kind of hope can we have if this is the way things are? Who's going to get us out of this mess? And so John comes preaching, and in his preaching, he answers those questions. He says, get ready, you haven't been forgotten, somebody's on the way. Good news. When he comes, he will rearrange your hearts. He will rearrange your lives. He's going to rearrange your world. When he gets here, he's going to clean house. So, well, who is he? Well, we already know the end of the story, but just play along with me just a little bit. Uh, John the Baptist actually doesn't tell us here. A little bit of reference to the prophet Isaiah's declaration that the Lord will come, but there's no name given. No identity yet. But in one of the passages of Scripture we'll look at this morning, he's known as the root. The root. Also not one of those things I've seen on Christmas cards lately. So, the recurring question that I want us to consider this morning is, when is a root a reason for hope? When is a root a reason for hope? This passage says, when the root is sent by God to clean house. Okay, a couple more verses of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. The New Testament lesson is found in Romans 15. Bart, if you come and read. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus. So that with one heart and one mouth, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another. Then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God, for I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth, 
to confirm the promises made to the patriarchs so that the Gentiles may glorify God for his mercy as it was written therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles I will sing hymns to your name again it says rejoice O Gentiles with his people and again praise the Lord all you Gentiles and sing praises to him all you people and again Isaiah says the root of Jesse will spring up one who will arise to rule over the nations the Gentiles will hope in him may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit about 25 or 30 years after Jesus death and resurrection that the people of God are in need of some hope again this New Testament lesson Paul writes to some folks who are living in some dire circumstances uh, listen again to how he prays for those Christians in Rome uh, he prays for endurance prays for encouragement, he prays for unity, and then he adds a little admonishment, which is Paul's typical approach. I've got a prayer for you, but just let me talk to you a little bit too. He said, you need to accept one another. Uh, again, not the kind of Christmas lesson that you'd expect. I was trying to think of, of what a Hallmark card or something like that would look like if you tried to capture what Paul was trying to say here. It might read something like this. To the church at Rome, at this time of year, it's good to remember, hang in there, have courage, be nice to each member. But consider their situation. Living in first century Rome, it's hostile territory for Christians. They're a small minority of the population. They are a small clique of folks who are misunderstood and not trusted by many. They are suspected of being guilty of any number of crimes, including cannibalism. You know, eating the body and drinking the blood. Sedition, treason, any number of things. And as if the external pressures weren't enough, the external pressure, the internal pressures that come from being a diverse community of Jews and Gentiles from every part of the globe, uh, they are trying to pursue their faith together, but they're stymied by their preferences. Their differences cause division rather than variety. And so Paul writes to these Roman Christians, reminding them that, that the way things are are not the way things will always be. And he says that the promises of the Scripture, they apply to the present and the future. And that the God of the Jews is on the side of the Gentiles, too. I'm looking around the room. I think that's probably good news for us. So much so, so much so, this God that is the God of the Gentiles, too, has raised up a root to reign over the nations. And then he uses more Christmas kinds of words. He prays that the Christians in Rome were going to be filled with joy and peace 
so much so that they overflow with hope in the middle of their present situation. So, question again is, when is a root a reason for hope? This time, it's when the root is raised up by, the, by God to rule the world. Let's sing again. The Old Testament lesson is from Isaiah chapter 11. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of power, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear, their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the hole of the cobra, and the young child put his hand into the viper's nest. Neither will they harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him, and his place of rest will be glorious. I was on my way to, like, to my car Monday night, um, had leadership class, and closed up the office and walking out to the parking lot, and, and I'm looking, about ready to get in the, in the car, and there's a shooting star. Like, shows up in the middle oh, about this way, about this far up in the sky and shoots its way down toward the eastern horizon. I, I'm, I'm always glad when I see them, but this particular, just, just two nights ago, I, I find myself think following this train of thought. The first one was, when I saw it, first impression that came was, um, I wonder what folks long ago thought when they saw those stuff. Second thought was, well, it's just a meteorite or some piece of space junk. You know, no big deal. It happens all the time. Well, right? And then I realized I had moved from, from where, where I started to where I was and, uh, and, and thought, well, it's unusual. Uh, it is explainable. But it's still wonderful. And so I hung around a couple more minutes looking to see if I'd see any more, but I, they, that was it for the night. Uh, 
I think it's possible to treat a passage like this passage from Isaiah like I treated that shooting star, my experience with the shooting star. Easy for us to wonder what folks long ago thought when they first heard Isaiah's words. Well, we know that it's just a prophecy. It's already, it's already been fulfilled. No big deal, right? It's so familiar. And so I want to remind us that this prophecy from Isaiah is unusual and it is explainable, but it's still wonderful. It's still wonderful. The people who first heard this oracle from the prophet, it's about 500 years or so. We'll talk about those details later. Uh, before, the, before the coming of Christ. They are living under the imminent threat of the king of Assyria. He's threatening to invade. They are living now in a nation that's not just what they, quite what they had in mind when they first entered the promised land. And worked out the way they thought. And so in this prophecy, Isaiah promises them that there's someone coming. He is the spirit of wisdom and understanding. And if he's the spirit of under, wisdom and understanding, then they're probably experiencing... Well, I, I, I need you to help me out with this. I could tell you, but I think I want to hear from you. So if, so if he's the spirit of under, wisdom and understanding, it means that that's lacking. So what are they going through? Say again. Confusion? Doubt? Okay. If he's the spirit of counsel and power, what are they having to put up with? Say again. Lack of control? What else? Weakness? Okay, what else? Okay, all right, having to find their way on their own. Powerlessness, yes. If he's, the, if he's the spirit of knowledge and the spirit of fear of the Lord, they're probably experiencing lack of wisdom. Spiritual emptiness. Yeah. No respect for God. Isaiah promises somebody who will not judge with eyes or decide with his ears. So, what are they going through? Injustice. Criticism. Okay, judgment. He promises someone who judges the needy and the poor with righteousness and justice. So, what's the experience of the poor and needy? Oppression. Exploitation. And then he promises that natural enemies are going to be at peace with each other. So they're probably experiencing war and conflict, animosity, persecution. And the one person who's going to make it all possible, who's going to right all of the wrongs that they are experiencing is this root of Jesse, the root. Well, 
who's Jesse? Father David. And who's David? Anointed king. Again, I, this is so familiar and it's explainable, but I want you to hear the details so we can remember again just how wonderful this is. Jesse's the father of King David, who was the father of Solomon, who was the father of Rehoboam, who was the father of Abijah, who was the father of Asa, who was the father of Jehoshaphat, who was the father of Jehoram, who was the father of Uzziah, the father of Jotham, who was the father of Ahaz, who was the father of Hezekiah, who was the father of Manasseh, who was the father of Ammon, and who was the father of Josiah, and Josiah was Jeconia, his father. And then they wound up in Babylon. And Jeconia was the father of Shealtiel. Shealtiel, the father of Zerubbabel. And Zerubbabel, the father of Abiud. And Abiud, the father of Eliakim. And Eliakim, the father of Azor. And Azor, the father of Zadok. And Zadok, the father of Akim. And Akim, the father of Eliud. And Eliud, the father of Eleazar. And Eleazar, the father of Methan. And Methan, the father of Jacob. And Jacob was the father of Joseph, who was the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, the one called the Christ. So when is a reason, root a reason to hope? When he's the root of Jesse. When he's Jesus the Christ. When he's the root who came and comes to set us free. Amen. Let's sing the last two verses of our song. There's one more passage of scripture. Take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 72. This is the psalm lesson for the second Advent service. Psalm 72, it is, before we read it together, it is, it is any number of things. It is, first of all, a prayer. It is a prayer for the king during Solomon's time, probably Solomon. It's also a, a prophecy concerning the Messiah. And it can also be understood as a promise. A promise concerning the King of Kings who will ultimately come to reign. So in verse 1, you see the word endow in the New International Version. And actually, we're going to read together verses 1 through 7, and all of the rest of that is a prayer. So let's read those, verse, those first seven verses together. Endow the king with your justice, O God, the royal son with your righteousness. He will judge your people in righteousness, your afflicted ones with justice. The mountains will bring prosperity to the people, the hills the fruit of righteousness. He will defend the afflicted among the people and save the children of the needy. He will crush the oppressor. He will endure as long as the sun, as long as the moon through all generations. He will be like rain falling on a mown field, like showers watering the earth. In his days the righteous will flourish, prosperity will abound till the moon is no more. And then verses 18 and 19, our response to this promise. Praise be to the Lord God, 
the God of Israel, who alone does marvelous deeds. Praise be to his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. I've asked Jack to help us conclude our service with the words to this song. Uh, with this song. Like I said earlier, all of this is familiar. And all of it is a little unusual, but isn't all of it wonderful? And the God who comes is coming again. Jack, come and help us remember that. Praise be to the Lord God, the God of Israel, who alone does marvelous deeds. Praise be to his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen. Amen. We're dismissed.